This is Pop Tech Nation. The weekly show where we talk about the most interesting stories taking place in the publishing and technology world. This is the week of July 6, 2015. I'm your host, Shovik Paul, and I'm joined by my co-host, Mike Ram. Hey, Mike. Hey, Show. How's it going? How was your July 4th? It was great. I was out camping with the dog. What about you? I did the most unpatriotic thing imaginable, and I spent my time up in Canada. So, uh, yeah, that's pretty bad for an American holiday, but excited for the headlines and for the, the weekly discussion. And, and a little birdie told me some exciting news. Can you share that with the listeners? Yours truly got engaged. Amazing. Uh, Ladies, <laughs> Mike Ram is off the market. <laughs> and that takes us to headlines. VentureBeat reported that Scribe acquired social reading app Librify for an undisclosed amount. Scribe, which offers a Netflix-type model for reading books, bought Librify last week to bring and introduce a social element to their users' reading experience. Mike, I spoke to an industry insider who told me that the rumor has it that Librify, which started back in like 2015, had raised a seed round then and... Uh, apparently ran out of cash and was having access or having issues uh, raising future rounds. And uh, that's uh, what turned into this sort of short fire sales. I, I by the way, reached out to them and, and tried to get a comment and uh, didn't receive anything. So this is completely, uh, you know, unconfirmed. Um, Mike, have you ever used either of these? I haven't. My book reading is more uh, linear in the sense that you know I'll, I'll pick up a book once every few months and sort of crush it. I'm not that into the uh, Netflix of, of the book world, but I know that those companies are doing really well. Um, but it seems like this announcement is more about making the book social. So I don't know if being able to share comments to Facebook is really that big of a differentiator. Uh, moving on, Rodale announced in a press release that they signed a deal with UTA or the United Talent Agency to create both scripted and unscripted videos across all media platforms. Uh, Rodale, who's of course known for their flagship titles, Men's Health, Women's Health, Runner's World, uh, and so forth, is looking to broaden their reach by creating these new video programs. What do you think about this show? No, I mean, it, it seems really logical, right? Like these days, uh, I mean, when I look at the type of uh, content I see on TV, it's like either you have a reality show or you're nothing, right? No, but the truth is, jokes aside, look, there are some great uh, channels out there that, that, you know, Nat Geo and Discovery and all of these, it just seems natural with Rodale's type of content with runners and um, all these sort of exclusive content for them to get into this. So smart, smart move. Definitely, definitely. So moving on, uh, Tech City News reported uh, that the storytelling startup Lost My Name, that's the name of the startup, uh, has secured $9 million in funding from Google Ventures and Graycroft. Uh, Lost My Name basically makes personalized storybooks, typically for children ages 2 to 6, uh, where, according to their website, each book contains a different set of stories based on letters in a child's name. By the way, what that, that's a, an unbelievable amount of funding to secure for a personalized book 
company, it, right? It, I mean, what year is this? It, it, it's a lot of money, and it's sort of an unproven space. And I, I love that we're trying to personalize. No, I, I think it is proven, right? Like, hasn't this been around forever? Right, but for children's age two to children ages two to six, it's sort of funny. They say uh, they're going to personalize it based on the the, the letters on the child's name. Um, it's it's definitely an interesting investment, and I wonder how this will will bode for you know a three year old. Well, let's see. Let's see. I mean, it's just an incredible amount of money, and congratulations to them. Forbes reported this week that Gannett announced in a press release that they've successfully completed the spinoff of their digital and broadcasting units into a new publicly traded company. Uh, The new company is going under the stock symbol TEGNA. That's going to be their broadcasting and digital businesses, while Gannett is going to keep their flagship name um, and trade under a different stock ticker. And of course, USA Today is their flagship publication. Um, we've seen a similar move in the past, right? With uh, Time Inc. breaking away from Time Warner, it seems like you know these massive companies are trying to almost ghettoize their more traditional publishing um, arms of their business into a separate company. Is, what do you think, Show Is this because they're trying to sort of uh, remove – I mean, it's, uh, publishing is a risky business. Do you think they're trying to create a, a se- separate segment? I don't know, Mike. I mean, it, it obviously seems to be some sort of a trend here, right? Um, it also seems that, yeah, from a stock market pr- perspective, it would make sense to sort of split those up and diversify your risk. Right. And the one thing I'll add is uh, after the first day of trading, the uh, new company is up a few percentage points. And unfortunately, the print publishing uh, Gannett subsidiary is uh, going to be is down a couple of percentage points. So hopefully <laughs> okay. that doesn't continue. <laughs> All right. All right. So um, the Huffington Post, and this was a great article. They, re- they, they released this article by uh, Catherine Talby, which states that magazine covers are not only surviving, but thriving in the, with the digital revolution. And the article basically outlines several instances where publishers such as Time, Newsweek, The New Yorker, uh, have seen magazine covers go viral across social media simply due to the design of the covers, again, in this sort of digital, new digital world, right? So some publishers, for example, such as New York Times, have experimented successfully with gift covers, which was this issue they did. I don't know if you remember this, Mike, like last October. It was really cool. It had a origami, uh, origami rose mm-hmm. on the cover, and it was a gift that then turned into a to a rose. Um, I... You know, Mike, the big question I have about this is, you know, does all this lead? I mean, is it just about, okay, how many you know people do we get to come to our website and follow us? and Or it, does this really lead to more sales of the issue or subscriptions? I, I don't know that it does lead to more sales. I mean, it's, it's the magazine cover. It's been a big deal for hundreds of years now, right? It's how you, you put someone really famous, really sexy on the cover. People hopefully buy it. Um, I'm a little worried that, you know, to your point, it's... Um, well, I shouldn't say worried, but I don't know that this is going to really bolster sales for any of these brands. But I mean, if it leads to people coming to check out the article or visit the website, I mean, I think it could be a nice draw to get people through the front door. Uh, the you know problem will will still arise where they need to people to convert and actually buy subscriptions or buy the the single issue. Well, speaking of covers, I mean, we all know what Caitlyn Jenner's cover on Vanity Fair did. Uh, apparently, that turned into one of their hottest selling issues. So 
Maybe there's something to it. Yeah. Uh, good news for magazine publishers, right? <laughs> exactly. Um, speaking of, the, let's continue with Huffington Post. Um, I hate this headline because it's a little bit depressing, but last week Ad Age reported that Huffington Post is set to break even on their $146 million in revenue last year. In other words, they're not running at a loss, but they're not making a profit. Um, and of course, this revenue is coming from almost entirely um, advertisements, so a completely ad-supported model. Um, Huffington Post, I mean, they're producing 1,200 articles per day. Um, it's a scary thought to think that one publishing company could be producing that much content, could have that big of a brand name, and they're still not even making money. They're not turning a profit. What do we make of this? I don't know, Mike. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm not surprised that they're not turning a profit. I mean, their expenditure and overheads must be pretty huge. But um, it's definitely worth noting that at least they're not running a loss, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. So moving on, uh, Business Insider reported that Amazon had, has started helping brands make ads for their eBooks. Uh, a lot of people don't know this, but Amazon has this advertising business where they basically sell ads across uh, Amazon.com and sites such as IMDb. And here what they're doing is they're coming up with uh, or uh, working with brands um, to essentially uh, create ads in the form of uh, for ebooks. This is interesting, right? Definitely. Like, is 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 the whole book world going down the road of the magazine world where, where things start becoming free or subsidized with ads? Well, I don't think book publishers want to hear that, uh, but it's it's interesting to note. I think specifically Amazon uh, worked a deal with Land Rover. It was like an mm -hmm. action adventure story, uh, and it's pretty weird slash cool to see. You know, you got like the e-ink. It looks like just a regular Kindle book, but it's but it's uh, a story that was designed by, you know, whatever agency Land Rover worked with, I think it's really cool. I mean, that's basically, you know, native content, advertorial, whatever, however you want to, you know, semantics aside, it's basically the brand developing a really great piece of content with their branding sort of meshed into it. And I think it could be really interesting to get book publishers involved in that type of uh, ad model. Well, I just want to add, like, wouldn't it be interesting if as an independent book publisher, let's say my book's not doing like so well in terms of sales, for Amazon to be able to subsidize it with ad sales. Do I really care if a Land Rover ad makes it in, not to the print, print version, but to the digital version, maybe I, not. If it I, gets me money, I think it's a great option. I mean, not everyone is still. If you're if you're on if you're an indie publisher, you know, a lot of what you're doing is sort of falling between the cracks in terms of press and um, you know not being able to get the exposure you need. If you could have some sort of ad model, um, although book publishers probably don't want to hear that because they rely on people paying for the books. I think more options the better. Moving on, uh, VentureBeat actually had an article this week on Camerama. So quick background, this actually isn't a headline. Uh, Forbes acquired a company called Camerama, um, their private sharing app, back in March. A lot of people thought this was um, an aqua hire, you know, basically hiring for the technology and for the talent. Um, but what's interesting is next week we're going to see Mark Howard, the chief revenue officer of Forbes, discuss at the Mobile Beat Summit uh, the new ways that Forbes is trying to connect with millennial and mobile audiences. Uh, I think it's really interesting. I mean, let's see what they have to say about it. Um, I like this whole uh, element of, of the fact that they own a new uh, a photo sharing app because, I mean, we all know Snapchat is ginormous, for lack of a better word. And if Forbes, who has their you know flagship 30 under 30 summit that's coming up next October, if they could get these you know really high-powered individuals to start sharing photos and videos on something that Forbes owns and that's proprietary, I mean, it, they could sort of partake in this private sharing model or private photo sharing model that Snapchat has really cornered. 
What do you think about it, Joe? Yeah, I mean, listen, Forbes, uh, I, I know a few, forks, a few folks at Forbes, they're really on the cutting edge when it comes to digital. This just further sort of uh, enhances their digital portfolio. It, it really makes sense. Cool. Let's take a quick break, Mike. Today's show is sponsored by Lynx, and that's L-Y-N-X, which is a free app uh, on iOS uh, and the App Store. Uh, and so please go download it, first of all. Mike, you and I have downloaded this app onto our phones, and we've had some time to play around with this. I actually had this app on my device for uh, a few months now. Uh, what do you think? I think it's genius. I mean, the, the whole essence of the app, uh, which again, it's Lynx, L-Y-N-X, is that it gives you a way to share an article or a video or anything that's URL based. And the difference is instead of me emailing you show like some article that we want to talk about, you know, next week for our pub tech nation podcast, you can links it to each other. And that creates a visual inbox where all these things I want to send you shows up in the app. Um, and it really sort of, I mean, the first thing, my first impression is that it's sort of decluttering my email inbox. I'm no longer SMSing people articles or emailing it to them. Um, and it's a great way to share something with a select group of people. Um, when I want to share an article with the world, I do it on Twitter or Facebook. Uh, but now I'm actually using links to share with my coworkers and my friends. So it's a really great sharing mechanism. Great. I just want to mention links again is a free app. It's available on the iOS app store. Please go download it today. That's L-Y-N-X. And they also have a website, which is linksthat.com. L-Y-N-X-T-H-A-T.com. Links that.com. Check it out. Okay, so Mike, uh, for today's main topic discussion, I want to talk a little bit about emerging technology, right? Like mm -hmm. this podcast is supposed to be about, you know, publishing meets technology. And very often, we get too caught up in what's happening today. And we're not mm -hmm. thinking, I think the biggest problem with publishers and publications in general is we're always playing catch up, right? right? And what I want to do in our main discussion is really talk about emerging tech, and, and that includes things like wearables. Uh, I want to dive into other types of emerging techs that we keep hearing about and the influence it may have on publication specifically. Awesome. Right? I, I love it. And, and why don't we do this? Why don't we start with current technology. So I think, you know, the main focus should definitely be right now for Apple Watch. Um, I actually don't own one, but show I know you're a pretty big Apple Watch guy. You've been enjoying it so far. Um, tell us a little bit about your experience with the Apple Watch and then, you, you know, your opinion on what some of the publishers are doing and what's really making the most impact for you personally. So, so here's the funny thing, Mike. Apple made me stop wearing a watch when they came up with the phone. Mm -hmm. And now they've somehow brought it back and made me start wearing a watch. So right. Uh, amazing on Apple. So, look, the watch, uh, it, it, I've now had it on. I, I was one of those crazy guys who got up at 3 in the morning and order it, ordered mm -hmm. it when it first became available. I've had it on for a while. Uh, there are obviously the messaging apps and those that I use really frequently. What I've started getting into are really testing out the publishing-related apps, right? So, for example, AP has an app where, um, and, and, and let me just back up one step. When I say apps, these are really extensions, right, that go on the watch. So what I mean by that is you download the app on the phone and an extension of that is right. installed on the watch. So this isn't a native app on the watch, just so all our listeners are really clear, right? Mm -hmm. It's basically the watch doesn't have its own, own Wi-Fi or anything. It's connecting through Bluetooth to your phone. 
Right. And then taking the information off the data off the phone back to the watch. So it it's still a little clunky as, as an overall experience. It takes a little while for things to load up. But the AP app, for example, when you load it up, it, it gives you a little picture, gives you the headline, actually gives you the entire article, right? Which is really interesting because I remember, Mike, like 10 years ago, one of, uh, I was in this meeting and they were talking about how uh, now phones allow you to read books. And I remember thinking to myself, who in their right mind would ever read a book on their phone, right? right? And, and, and here we are in 2015 and... I mean, New York City subway, everyone's reading something on their phone, right? Mm -hmm. Whether it's an article or, or a book or whatever else. It's hard today to imagine that we'll ever be reading an entire book or an article or something on right. our watch. But maybe a few years from now, like, that's what we'll be doing. But AP has taken that model where they basically repurposing that content in right. full form. Which I can't. I can't, you know, I think there needs to be a threshold. You know, I, I know reading books on your phones, some people thought it was crazy. A lot of people do it today. I can't imagine, especially because my phone's always with me, you know, I can't imagine really cruising through an entire article on my watch. Um, but let me let me turn this around again. I mean, again, you being sort of the Apple Watch expert in this conversation, are any other publishers doing it where it's more of like a summary yep, or sort yep. of a utility? Absolutely. So on the other end of the spectrum, you've got, the New York Times. And the New York Times, basically, when you, when you open, it, open it up, it gives you, uh, you know, these 10 swipeable stories. And all it gives you is the headlines and a big picture. Mm -hmm. Visually, very light on the eyes. So mm -hmm. sort of the opposite of reading this whole article with the AP extension, right? Um, but it's just giving you the headlines. It's sort of like reading a little tweet, right? Right. In between, and quite frankly, the one I've been going to and using the most is the Huff Post, the Huffington Post uh, Huffington extension. Post right? blowing up on yeah, this yeah. week's podcast. They're all <laughs> over the place. So, so what does That's their extension right. do? So here's what theirs does. Sort of similar. It opens up and it says, do you want to read the top trending stories? You know, stories maybe you've saved and things like that or, or you know, regular stories. And when you tap on it, it gives you the headlines. It gives you a picture. Again, very visual, very easy to mm -hmm. consume. And then it it actually gives you the first couple of sentences, not even a couple, I wouldn't say like one or two sentences. Mm -hmm. And then it says, read the rest on your phone. And I think that is actually brilliant and probably the best way to go, right? I get a good summary of the story. I get a good visual of it. If I'm really interested, it'll basically pull it up on my phone and then I can read the rest. And, it's, and I tried it, by the way, and I do it. It, you just swipe up on your phone and the story is just there waiting for you. So it's a really good user experience. You know, and, and, and to me, like, it is going to be an experiment, right? Mm -hmm. At this point, it's too early to tell what users take on to what works and doesn't work. But I, I agree with you, Mike. I, I don't use the AP app as much because I'm never going to read through the entire story on my little watch. Um, uh, I, I don't know, maybe in time or maybe if it's a younger demographic, right. they, they may be okay with that. So let's let's think, you know, before we move away from the Apple Watch, because it's still, it's such a hot topic right now, especially, you know, I, I want to re-clarify something. Um, show when you said that iOS 9, you're actually, uh, developers are allowed to make native apps. I mean, that's really supposed to improve uh, the loading time and really make these things more more useful, right? Because right. that's, that's a big problem right now. It seems like that it's taking a long time for uh, these, these Apple Watch apps to work. People would just rather use their phone. So what are really the main takeaways that we can offer publishers? I'll, I'll sort of kick it off. I mean, to me, I think the HuffPost model works really well because you got you got two factors usability 
and monetization. And I think that HuffPost is kind of nailing both of them because usability, I think we're agreeing. I don't know that people are really going to want to read these long-form articles on their on their watch. And, and from what you read online, uh, I think most people do agree that they're not going to do long-form reading on their watch. So it's not really usable to provide a really long-form experience. And then monetization, correct me if I'm wrong, I don't think there's any way to actually run like a native Apple Watch ad yet. Not yet. Exactly. But, but, but so you know that's going to come at some point. It definitely will. Yeah. But but the reason, again, to sort of harness on what HuffPost is doing is they're giving me something that's usable. And then the fact that I can you know swipe up and then have the story load on my phone, then they're now generating mobile impressions that they are monetizing. So to me, that's the right, you know, for any of the publishers out there that are thinking about iOS 9, you know, they're already dealing with this whole newsstand um, being removed and they're trying to create maybe some new um, elements elements to their app now that it's not going to be in the newsstand anymore you know maybe maybe think about getting your app developer whether it's custom or or through a vendor maybe ask if it's possible to to create something that's going to utilize the apple watch in a way that you know maybe gives someone little tidbits and allows the person to complete the yeah, story no, on their I, phone. I, I think that's a really good point i mean advertising has to factor into some of this stuff by the way sort of uh, moving on to other types of uh, emerging tech, I got a chance to play around with Oculus Rift, which is, for our listeners, it's a, it's a virtual reality system. Mm -hmm. And that really got me thinking, Mike, about virtual reality uh, and even augmented reality systems out there that are, that are, you know, emerging, right? Especially in the gaming world, you know, that's all they're talking about these days. Absolutely. It's so, supposed so, to be so, completely out I haven't actually tried one on it. You, it, you have, it's right? insane. It, it's insane. I mean, we, we'll save that for a different conversation <laughs> about what my experience was like. It, it really is out of this world um, and very believable mm -hmm. that you're, you're in a different space. But where do you think this goes with publishers? Well, I mean, quick, let, let's do a quick definition on some of this stuff, which hopefully our, our listeners find helpful. Uh, real quick, virtual reality versus augmented reality. A lot of people are, are misinformed. Virtual reality is, is basically putting a headset on and really being fully immersed in an environment where you're not seeing anything um, you know, that's sort of real. You're, you're, you have a headset on and everything is sort of fabricated in this virtual uh, right. world. I, I was Superman flying through New York City. There you go. Yeah. Um, and don't worry, in the real world, you're, you're Superman also, so don't worry. <laughs> uh, augmented reality is actually taking what you're, what you're seeing in real life and layering on elements. You know, the classic example is looking at a restaurant and, you know, maybe hitting a button and being able to see a little Yelp review on top of that restaurant. So I actually think that virtual reality is basically the whole VR world is talking about gaming, which doesn't really overlap too much with publishing. Augmented reality, I think it's really interesting. Microsoft has been touting their HoloLens, which is supposed to be the premier augmented reality device. It's not out yet, but basically it's using holograms. I know it sounds crazy and futuristic, but it is coming. Using holograms where you can actually interact, you know, sitting in your office and maybe seeing a video or perhaps reading a magazine um, right on your desk. That is something I think is going to be unbelievably exciting. Uh, we never really got there with Google Glass. It didn't take off. I think what they what Google got wrong is that people aren't really going to want something that's on their face all day long, at least not yet. Um, something like the HoloLens to me, I mean, come on, when we when we talk about screen sizes and how small our phones are, if I could have a like a hologram of an old school uh, magazine or newspaper, and when I say old school, I mean just print. Um, if we could fabricate that and, and, and have it be digital but feel like print, I would use that every single morning. Yeah, and it makes the user experience a lot more palatable, right? All the stuff that people complain about, um, not just screen size, but hey, this doesn't feel natural. Right. Swiping on an iPad or whatever else. 
um, especially with the older demographics, right? Um, now imagine just saying, hey, look, it's still going to be digital, but uh, you're going to be sitting at your breakfast table having breakfast, and in, you're going to pick up this newspaper. It's just not there in real life, but you can actually pick it up. You can swipe through, read it. That might, you know, really bring back this whole industry. Uh, and not just back, but, I mean, really help it thrive again. I wish it was really out right now. I know. I, I, I know. I'm a huge Apple guy. There has to be a reason why I haven't bought an Apple Watch yet. Maybe I'm stupid and I should go get one. But, you know, <laughs> once you, you create a, a hologram of a magazine, I'm in for that every single Amazing. day. Amazing. Amazing. By the way, I just also want to mention one other form of technology that we should keep an eye on mm -hmm. as a publishing industry um, or any, for anybody related to publishing is – it is self-driving cars, right? We've been hearing a lot about Google cars. Right. Uh, there was a recent article about, um, you know, uh, uh, Uber getting into self-driving cars. What I've been thinking a lot about is with the emergence of, let's say, self-driving cars become a thing in the future, mm -hmm. we'll have a lot more time to read, right? Right. In general, if I'm not driving, I can listen, I can read. Uh, it, 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 it gets really, really interesting. Yeah, I mean, it's – there's one – I mean, I think we're still probably how, – how far are we away are we from self-driving? <laughs> Apparently, we're like about five years away, which but is, I don't know. Which is crazy because it's not, it's not that long away. I mean, look – The bigger question is how long did it take for cars to get into the same road with horse and buggies, right, before running each other over? There's going to be a big transition. Right, me. right. But, you, I mean, you are right. If I'm getting in my car and at my 25-minute commute and I don't need to be the person that's actually driving the car – it's going to leave more time for me to do other stuff. Then I think it's going to raise a lot of the same questions we ask every week, which is, you know, do magazine publishers, do they focus uh, specifically on the written word? Do they create podcasts? Do they create video content? I think w the fact that more people uh, are going to have more time than ever once these self-driving cars are, are out to, to be entertained in their vehicles and not pay attention to the road, um, it will be a great opportunity for publishers to deliver their content in one of these various form factors be it written word or hologram or audio or even video. Great insight, Mike. All right, let's wrap it up for this week. Uh, one quick note I want to throw in. One of our listeners, uh, Manoj Karki, wrote in about last week's in-depth discussion, which we had about iOS 9 mm -hmm. and the impact on newsstand. And he wanted to mention a correction, which I wanted to note oh, out. No. Uh, <laughs> no, no, this is great. No, this is great. We want more people, by the way. If, if you find things that you agree with, don't agree with, please do write into us. We're at pubtechnation, P-U-B-technation at gmail.com. And we love to hear about all the things that we've messed up. So definitely <laughs> let us know. It helps us clarify things. And I think Manoj had a couple of clarifications he, he had He had one in particular, which was uh, we mentioned auto-renewal subscriptions. Mm -hmm. And we didn't know if that was going to be allowed or not okay. uh, on once these apps come out of the newsstand and be, become standalone apps. And what he mentioned is app, Apple actually had lifted these restrictions on both newsstand and, I mean, on non-newsstand apps. Okay. Uh, and that auto renewals and both that and background downloading is available on non-newsstand apps. So uh, note to users, uh, I'm sorry, note to listeners who, who heard that last week. Uh, thank you, Manoj, for that update. And thank you all for joining us today. Um, this is a weekly podcast, so please be sure to subscribe to this podcast and, and listen in next week and every week thereafter. 
Uh, and again, uh, to uh, send us any comments, if you want stories that you want us to cover, please shoot us an email at pubtechnation at gmail.com. And again, uh, our uh, sponsor for the week was Lynx. Download the app for iOS. That's Lynx, L-Y-N-X. Check out the website, linksthat.com. It's the best way to share content and it's the best way to discover content. I found a lot of really good stuff on that one. I was bored this week, uh, so check it out. And also follow us on Twitter and uh, be sure to like us on Facebook where you can actually see all the links uh, that we talked about in our headlines and read them in depth. Thank you so much. Mike, thanks as always. Great chat and show. See you all next week.